Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. 11 through 16, and the book of Galatians, chapter 2. And while you're opening there or going there, let's pray and ask for our Lord's blessing on the word of the Lord here tonight. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you would bless the reading of your word here tonight, Lord. Bless each and every one that's here, those that are listening online, anoint our ears and our minds. We pray that you will help us not to be distracted here tonight, Lord, but to just focus on these last few minutes that we have here together in church on your word, on the teaching and on the lesson that you would share with us here tonight through your Bible. And again, I pray that you will help me as your servant to communicate, organize my thoughts, my words, Lord. Let this be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Galatians chapter 2, starting at verse number 11. The Bible says this, When Cephas, who is the apostle Peter, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. So last week we were kind of catching up on this section of Scripture because it had been a while uh, for, since we had visited Uh, in the book of Galatians. And the main thing that we focused on was that the Apostle Paul not only stood up to false teachers and their false doctrine that were trying to infiltrate the and contaminate the gospel message, but the Apostle Paul was willing to stand up even to one of the chief apostles who was the Apostle Peter. Why did he want to stand up to him or why did he stand up to the Apostle Peter? Because even though the Apostle Peter had a personal vision and revelation by the Holy Spirit about the importance of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ alone and not by works. And even though the Apostle Peter understood that there was no longer any divide between Jews and Gentiles because it is Christ who unites us through our faith in Him as Lord and Savior. And even though the Apostle Peter The Apostle John, the Apostle James, and the Apostle Paul were all in agreement about this truth and even had a private meeting and conversation about this. Sadly, we discover here that the Apostle Peter allowed himself to be intimidated or pressured by certain Jewish leaders who were trying to insist that Gentiles, that means non-Jewish people, that Gentiles should be forced to get circumcised and to abide by the law of Moses. Otherwise, they would not get saved. And so when the Apostle Paul heard this and saw this, it, it 
grieved him. It grieved him to the point that he had to confront the Apostle Peter. And as a result of this pressure, the Apostle Peter separated himself from the Gentile Christian believers and caused division instead of unity. But it got worse because of the Apostle Paul's bad example and influence. Barnabas was also persuaded to compromise the gospel message. The Bible says here in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Let me read it again. It says, When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid. He was afraid. He was intimidated. Afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. This is the Apostle Peter, the head of the church, one of the chief apostles. And he, was, he allowed himself to be intimidated or afraid of those Jewish leaders that insisted that people needed to be saved by following the law of Moses and by getting circumcised. He was intimidated by that. And then in verse 13, it says this. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Verse 13 tells us that even Barnabas and some other key individuals got messed up or mixed up. This is crazy because Barnabas was the first one to embrace the Apostle Paul after his conversion. After the Apostle Paul became a Christian, everyone was terrified of the Apostle Paul. Everyone was scared. No one wanted to have anything to do with him. They thought he was a faker. They thought he was just pretending. They thought he was like a spy wanting to find out where all these Christians were hiding so that they could go in there and so that he could go in there and arrest them or kill them or persecute them. So nobody trusted the Apostle Paul when he became a Christian. The only one that did was Barnabas. Barnabas took him by the arm, and he says, I don't know what happened to you, bro, but I see that you are now a child of God. You're a Christian. You're a believer in Jesus. That's a miracle. I'm going to take you by the hand, and I'm going to introduce you to the leaders of the church, and I'm going to let everybody know what God has done for you. Barnabas was the first one to embrace and to trust the Apostle Paul after his conversion. Paul and Barnabas were a team. They were homies. They were the original dynamic duel before Batman and Robin. They were the Sons of Thunder part two. Barnabas was one, the one who went with the Apostle Paul on their first missionary journey. These guys were tight. And yet the Bible says, that even Barnabas got all messed up. Barnabas and the Apostle Paul, they witnessed the power of God. They saw the miracles of God. He saw the supernatural signs. And sadly, sadly, Barnabas got all mixed up. And he too was intimidated into going back to the old legalistic requirements of the law for salvation. Let this be a warning for all of us, including Pastor Jerry. We all have to be careful not to allow ourselves to get messed up. Did you hear what I just said, church? It could happen to any of us, believe me. You may think that you got it all together, that you're strong, and but even the Bible says be careful because you're in danger of falling away if you do that. We can never be close enough to Jesus. And we can never be too cocky or arrogant about our faith. Always remain humble and understand that we face a fierce enemy. And it's only by the grace of God that we make it through each day, church. Can you say amen?
Now, the Bible says here that the Apostle Peter, because of his hypocrisy, because of he allowed himself to be intimidated, he caused Barnabas and some other key leaders in the Christian community to stumble. Causing someone to stumble is a very serious offense in the kingdom of God. Did you hear what I just said, church? You and I who are Christians, you and I who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, we got to be careful how we act and how we live and what we do. If I say I'm a Christian, especially if I say that I'm the pastor of Chatsworth Foursquare Church, and then somebody sees me out there in the parking lot at Home Depot smoking some dope, guess what? I'm going to be a bad example and cause somebody to get confused. You mean you can be a pastor and smoke dope? You mean you can be a pastor and hang out over here at the Cowboy Palace and dance around with the Goo Goo Girls over there? You can be a pastor and a Christian and do all that? We better be careful what we do and how we act if we say that we represent Jesus. You guys follow me so far? Stumbling, causing somebody to stumble is a serious thing. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 and 7. It says this. This is Jesus saying this, and he says this. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble... It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Look at what it says in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. It says this, So then, each of us, will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. We have to be very, very careful, church, not to allow ourselves to get careless in our walk and responsibility to Jesus. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, it says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, 30, verse 31 and verse 32, it says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Let me read what it says here in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. It says this, Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it 
and go on your way, for they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like a deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. So when anybody comes to you and says, hey, let's go here, let's go there, let's do this, let's do that, and the Holy Spirit says, I don't want you near that situation, you obey the Holy Spirit, church. Protect yourself from stumbling and make sure that you protect others from stumbling because of what you're doing or saying or the way you're acting. Now, I know that I said this before, but please, please, you have to be careful about the kinds of comments that you make on social media, especially if you say you're a Christian, and especially if you say that you go to Chatsworth Foursquare Church, and especially if you say that Pastor Jerry is my pastor. I don't want you talking smack on social media if you say you go here. Please, church. Because that makes me look bad. That makes you look bad. That makes our church look bad. And more importantly than that, that makes Jesus look bad. Like, what kind of people are these talking smack like this? Comments about other brothers and sisters that are critical or putting someone down or making yourself look better than someone else or in any way that is viewed as an attack or demeaning or just plain mean. Listen, you guys, you and I, we have to put a check on our attitudes because some of us can sometimes at times get really mean. Stop being mean to each other. We need to ask God to help us to stop being mean to one another. The Apostle Paul actually addresses this later in the book of Galatians. He says in Galatians chapter 5, this will be later on in our study, but in Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says this, and he's talking to Christians here. It says, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Again, the Apostle Paul is speaking to Christians in the book of 2 Corinthians. He's speaking to the, to the Christians in the city of Corinth, in the church of Corinth, and it says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 20, says, For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be Lest there be contentions. This is happening in the church. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. And the Holy Spirit is saying, dude, make sure that you do not allow yourself to get caught up in that kind of madness or immature behavior. Stop tearing each other down. Stop being critical of each other. Stop comparing yourselves to one another. We're all here by the grace and the mercy of God. Can you say amen, church? No one's better than anybody else. So don't make yourself look like you're better than anybody else. And don't be talking smack 
so that the whole world sees what you're talking about, and yet you say you're a Christian. It doesn't make any sense. So please, let's ask our Lord to help us to stop being mean to each other and let's pray that our actions or words or lifestyle or behavior or conduct will not cause someone to stumble. It is a dangerous thing and God is warning us. God is letting us know, hey, don't be playing games with people's souls. I like what they say, uh, the only Jesus that people will ever see in their lifetime, could be you. They never go to church, never read the Bible, don't know anything about God. They just know that you're a Christian. And the only Jesus that they'll see is in you. Let's make sure it's a good example of who Jesus is. Can you say amen? And when we blow it, be quick to repent. Be quick to humble yourself and say, man, I blew it. I'm really sorry. I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have acted like that. Please forgive me. That's not the way a man or woman of God is supposed to be. And you know what? People actually respect that. Sadly, the Apostle Peter's actions were causing people to stumble. The bottom line is that Paul was backing up what he said previously in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, when he, was, he got upset with the Galatians, and he said, I am astonished. In Galatians 1, 6 through 9, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, So now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And he's letting the Galatians know that in the same way that Paul was willing to confront Peter, the apostle, one of the chief apostles, he is now confronting those that were trying to confuse the Christians in the Galatian churches. The good thing is that out of all this mess, we have a number of great verses of Scripture that the Apostle Paul writes and gives to us here in the book of Galatians chapter 2. Let me just point out three of these that we get out of this chapter. The first of these powerful verses is chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 16, listen to what it says this. It says here, it says, Now that person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. That is a powerful verse of scripture that teaches doctrine. Doctrine is the foundation of our belief system as Christians. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 is also found here. I have been crucified with Christ... And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many of you know it's not about you anymore? It's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And then the third scripture here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, it says this, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So let's take time to break down just for tonight 
Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Galatians 2.16 says this, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, the Gentiles, the only way that they're going to be justified is by believing in Jesus. The same thing with us who are Jews. Nobody's any more special. We are all sinners and we all need salvation. And the only salvation that we can get is by believing and putting our faith in Jesus Christ, not by works. This important truth is all of being saved, not by works, is also talked to us or shared with us in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Listen to what it says here. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it's same same message. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What is this saying? Hey, listen, the only reason you and I got saved is for what it's, it's because you and I heard the gospel and by the grace of God, we responded to the gospel. We said yes to Jesus and he gave us a free gift and that free gift is, sal- is salvation. Can you say amen, church? We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. Nothing. We just gave it to us. Manuel, come on up here really quick. Come on up here. Come on up here, Manuel. Here's a gift for me, my brother. Five dollars. I'm giving it to you. It's a gift. You didn't even work. You didn't help me dig any trenches. You didn't help me sweep or, or vacuum here. You didn't clean. It's just a, I just gave you five dollars. Go have a, go, go sit down. It's a gift. You didn't do anything to work for it. It's a gift. Don't give it back to me. It's a gift. It's for you. And you didn't even do anything for it. That's what God does for us. I didn't do anything to earn my salvation. As a matter of fact, I just gave Manuel five bucks. Even though I know, I'm just, I'm just playing now, I'm just giving an example. Even though I know that last week he was talking behind me, behind my back. Even though I know that, that last week he was slandering me, man. I, even though I, I found out last week, that he was stabbing. Man, I have so many scars on my back from people that have stabbed me in the back. And he's one of them. But even though he did me wrong, you know what? Here's $5, Manuel. It's my gift to you. Even though you've done me wrong, even though you've stabbed me in the back, he really didn't do that. I'm just playing the part here. Even though you've done me wrong and done all this, these ter- and you've said terrible, th- you know what, Manuel? It's a gift from me. Aren't you glad, church, that even before we knew God and we were stabbing God in the back and doing our own rebellious thing, he still said, I'm going to give you my gift of salvation. You don't deserve it. You didn't work for it. As a matter of fact, you deserve to go to hell for what you've done to me. But I'm going to give you a gift. The gift of salvation. How many of you appreciate that gift from Jesus? We didn't do anything, church. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. He just gave it to us. Because we said yes. 
And what is so shocking is that Peter already knew this. It was Peter who spoke to the leaders of the church to let them know of this great gift of salvation that was now offered to all mankind, to the Jews and the Gentiles, and that salvation was not by works. In the book of Acts chapter 15, verses 7 through 11, let me just read this. It says this, after much discussion, Peter Peter got up and addressed them. He's talking to the leaders of the church now. This is Peter. He's talking to the leaders of the church. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, between the Jews and the Gentiles, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, that we are saved just as they are. Peter knew this, and yet he still allowed himself to be deceived. Works are definitely important, by, but works are a result of our faith in Christ. Works are the byproduct of our love for Christ. Works are the result of a changed heart and attitude. Works are the result of a changed life and mind and heart. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I now have the Holy Spirit in me. You now have the Holy Spirit in you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I now have an appetite to know God through the Word of God, an appetite for knowledge about God found in the Word of God. Now, for those of you that are in church here tonight, well, first of all, Julie, my wife, said a little while ago when she was singing that song during the worship, all I have to do is look at some of you and see the beautiful work that God has done in your life, how he changed your mind and your attitude and your heart and your lifestyle and everything that you do. Now, let me ask those of you that are here at church right now, tonight, physically present here right now, why did you come to church tonight? I want you to think about that, and I want you to get ready to answer it. Why did you come to church tonight? Jamie, I want you to get a microphone, please. Get a microphone. Bring it over here. And get that black stand over here. Okay? I want you to think, why did you come to church tonight? I want to know why you came to church tonight. Okay? And let me see. I'm going to ask my brother Juan. Juan, come over here, please. Get a microphone. I want you to start things off. Okay? The blue one is over here. And, and Juan, I want you to tell everybody why you came to church tonight. What motivated you to come to church tonight? I want to know. I want you to tattletale on me. Did Pastor Jerry call you? Did Pastor Jerry bribe you? Did Pastor Jerry say, Juan, if you come to church tonight, I'll give you 20 bucks if you come to church tonight. Tell us why did you come to church tonight, Juan? I want you to face that camera, face the whole world that's watching you right now, and tell us why did you come to church tonight? I came to church tonight to worship my God, my Lord Jesus Christ, to save me from hell, who gave me eternal life in heaven with him. Was that a good answer, church? Yeah. Manuel, Manuel said absolutely, and then he, he, he hid his face. He, he didn't want me to call him up here. Uh, yeah, sure, Manuel, that's okay. We're going to pick on your dad again. Manuel, come up here. 
Tell us, why are you in church tonight? You worked all day today. You were, you're tired. You're beat down. You're all exhausted. And here you are. Why are you in church tonight, Manuel? Here's the answer. I want you to tell, tell the whole world right there. Here's the answer. Praise God. You know, uh, I just thank God for myself and my wife. But you know, you know, whatever goes on in the world in California, but what I'm just saying of the Congress and all this, the COVID-19 and all this, but you know, I thank God today for myself. I give him all the honor that where I'm at today up in the congregation sharing this. Why? Because, you know, it's scary. It's really scary when you don't feel, when, when, like, when, when I was out in the world, you know, it felt, it, it, it's a way different emotions into life that you have Jesus in you. You know, and, and, and not only that, you know, it's, it's a blessing that, you know, even when I came up to church today, I was in the parking lot right here today. Not only that, that my boss called me. Today, he gave us a day off because what's going on? And then when I seen his name, when, when I seen it on the phone, he tells me this. Manuel, I'll see you tomorrow at 630. That's a blessing too right there because there's work. Okay, Manuel, that's enough. Come have a seat. Okay. Have a seat. Okay, very, very good. Okay, very good. Very good. Okay, hold on. Okay, Richard and Kathy, come up here really quick, please. Richard and Kathy, really quick. Come on up here. Okay? All right. I want to know, why in the world did you guys come to church tonight? Okay? I want to know. I want you to tell the whole world why it is that you came to church tonight, All, both of you guys. Get in front of that camera. I want witnesses. I want lots of witnesses. We love the Lord. We love to worship. We love to fellowship with everyone. We love to hear the word of God that's preached in this church. And um, yeah. And also because it could be so easy to just stay home and watch it with my feet kicked up on the <laughs> coffee table and watch Pastor Jerry and Pastor Julie. But I needed to be here. You understand? And uh and I needed to be in the house of the Lord because then that's where I need everybody and the whole feeling because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, you know, and I just wanted to be here. Stop right there. Okay, Richard, stay right there, okay? Now, Richard, on Saturday, on Saturday, you and Kathy are going to go out into the community and on Canoga and Sherman Way in front of the whole world out there, the crazy world that we live in, and you wanted to pass out some tracks, and you got some crazy musicians like Juan and Ricardo and other crazy musicians that want to join you playing their guitars out there in the middle. Why are you doing that, Richard? Why are you out there doing what you're doing? Because God saved me from, from my mess and had mercy on me that I have to, I felt compelled to give it back. Now, Richard, let me ask you this question. I'm putting you in the spot here. Are you more righteous right now because you came to church than you were before you walked into church? Are you more righteous right now than you were before you came into church? No. Not at all. You coming to church had nothing to do with your righteousness. No. Juan, you coming to church did not make you more righteous. You were just as righteous before you came in as you were after you came to church. The same thing with you, Manuel. The same thing with all of us here. Coming to church is a work, 
but it doesn't make us more righteous. We came to church as a result of our salvation. We didn't come to church because we wanted to get saved or because we wanted to be more righteous or because we wanted to impress God. No, we came to church simply because we love God. As a result of our salvation, we come to church because we love God. That's the difference. And that's why Paul is saying, you don't have to do anything. It's a gift. Thanks, you guys. You may be seated. Thank you so much. You cannot do anything to make yourself more righteous or to make yourself more holy or to make yourself more loved by God or more favored. No. He loves you and you're just as righteous and you're just as justified and you're just as loved before you come in here as you are after you come in here and after you leave this place. You guys understand what I'm saying? We do what we do not to earn our way to heaven. We do what we do as a result of what God did for us. Listen, I know for, I can only speak for myself. Okay? Before I was a Christian, I would never, ever, ever have a desire to be in church. It wasn't even in my mentality or in my, and I grew up Catholic, nothing against the Catholic church. Those of you that are watching that are Catholic, I'm not putting any Catholic down. Nothing wrong with Catholicism. I'm just saying for me personally, once I became a teacher, I was out of the church. Why? Because when I was little, I was being forced to go to church when I was little. I was forced to go to catechism when I was little. I was forced to do certain things. But when I became a teenager and I didn't have to go to church anymore, I was out of there and I was doing my own thing. After I became a Christian, I wanted to go back to church. I wanted it. I wanted to learn about God. I wanted to understand who God was. I had never read the Bible, so I wanted to read this. I had a hunger and a thirst. It, oh, everything changed. It doesn't make me more saved. It doesn't make me more righteous. No, it just simply means that I have this gift that God gave me called salvation. And as a result of my salvation, I have a relationship with God. I'm connected to God. And now I have a desire to know God more, to please God, to live for God. I turn away from sin. Why? Because I love God. I go to church. Why? Because I love God. I do what I do for God. Why? Because I love the Lord. All of you are here tonight and you came here tonight because you love the Lord and you wanted to be here. Nobody pushed you. Nobody paid you. Nobody called you up. Nobody held a gun to your head. No, you came here tonight because you love God and you wanted to be here and God changed you and you're a different person. And that's what Peter and Paul and the apostles are talking to us about here. It is not by works. It is the gift of God and it is the grace of God. That brings us to salvation in Jesus. How many of you are thankful for that gift? Can you say amen? Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful, Lord. We're so thankful for what you've done in our lives. You have changed us, Lord God. You have done a miraculous, supernatural thing in our lives, Lord, that cannot be explained. Like Julie said earlier, it cannot be explained in human terms. 
It's a miracle, Lord God. Even if we don't experience anything else in our world, the fact that we are saved, the fact that we are here in church, the fact that we are followers of Jesus Christ, the fact that we are alive to the things of God, to church and the Bible and the Holy Spirit and worship and praise and giving you honor and glory and recognizing you as God and Savior of the world, that by itself, Lord God, is worth everything. Everything, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. Those of you are, that are online right now, why are you watching online? You could be doing so much other stuff. You could be watching some other TV program right now. You know why you're watching online? Because you made God a priority in your heart. You said, you know what? I love God, and I'm going to take this lot of time to tune into church. I'm going to tune in. And you can even do what Richard said. Put your feet up. Do whatever you're doing, but you're tuning in to hear the Word of God because you love God and you appreciate what He's done for you. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, and we pray right now for all those that are watching, all those that are here. If you're here tonight or if you're watching and you say, Jerry, I don't have that relationship with Jesus and I want it. I want to have what you guys have. That desire to want to know God. That desire that out of my own free will, I, I want to go to church and I want to learn and I want to read the Bible and, and I want to live for the Lord. And it, and it comes out of my heart. I want that. Just say these words. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I pray right now that you, Jesus, will forgive me. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, that you were born on this earth to the Virgin Mary. You lived a pure and perfect life. You died, and on the third day, you rose from the grave. And I accept that free gift of salvation that you offer to all the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for being here. Those of you that are watching online, if you want a Bible, if you need to talk to somebody, contact us. We will make sure that uh, we contact you. In the meantime, have a great, great evening, and thank you for joining us here tonight. God bless.